step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. All right. Welcome to RSG, The Cypher. Uh, we're here. We got a great, we got a special show the Cypher is our uh, show where we kind of put an issue in the middle of the ring and, uh, you know, we just let the mic go and we kind of dig deep on that topic. And tonight okay. we're going to talk about boxing. That's what we're going to get into. We're going to have a lot of fun with, with someone who's very familiar with uh, being here at uh, RSG and, and being part of the RSG family experience. And so we're going to have a great time. Uh, uh, all of the, the callers are brought to you by Patreon. Uh, Patreon is where you can go support your favorite underground artist or performer. You can go to Patreon and support RSG on that. Uh, you can check it out. Uh, just check out the uh, the information associated with this uh, podcast uh, in the details. We'll give you a link to Patreon where you can support RSG and other artists who are trying to uh, make something happen uh, here in the space of uh, performance and media. Uh, tonight, we got a special guest. I got my guy Darnell with me, but we got the man Dougie Fisher, editor of uh, Ring Magazine, uh, our friend of the program, we believe, uh, someone who I wish I could have had a chance to connect with when I was out in L.A. recently. Sorry uh, about that. But that's all right. We'll make it happen. I'm coming back. Yeah. Uh, and I'll give you a little more heads up. Um, and I want to um, actually... Yeah, you should come out for uh, Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury. I need some mentorship. I'm trying that's to get in the big, game. Yeah, I, I that's to bring him with me, you know, how I get connected in these things. So I, I, okay. I would need to talk to you about that. I love to be okay. there. Boxing has become a staple of the things that we talk about on uh, Real Sports Guys and a Good. lot of because our conversations with you. I mean, I think you've, um, as I told you, I, I, I grew up reading Ring Magazine. That was, you know, you had Sports Illustrated and you had Ring Magazine. And right. um, to be able to, you know, create a platform where um, I can bring that voice and that perspective to what we do, um, I think it is, is great. And so... Thank you for being here tonight and uh, being part of this with myself and Darnell. I, I'm going to open up with, you know, I know you're not a person, and we talked about this before, you, you, don't, you don't get into MMA. And so I'm not going to ask you about the recent uh, fight uh, that happened in terms of MMA, but I'm going to uh, talk to you more about the aftermath. Right. That I saw. See, I, I didn't see the fight, <laughs> but I saw – I saw the melee. The melee. Because boxing's had a share of its melee. Whatever that was. Yeah, I mean, different people call it different things. Yes. But, but you know, yeah, it was some set tripping. It's some set tripping. And, <laughs> and when you're in Vegas for a big fight, it's a whole different kind of – as I was saying, I was going out for a meeting, didn't even know a big fight was happening, and it happened to be Zab Judah and uh, Floyd Mayweather. And I'm like, okay. 2006. Yeah. yeah. I said, I'm going to see if I can get a ticket. Yeah. And – I somehow got a ticket, and I was sitting at the top, but it wasn't really a bad place in the house to watch that fight, and it was right. a fun fight to watch. Yeah, um, I felt like Zab Judah at times pushed Mayweather. It he got really feisty, and next thing I know, everything breaks loose. Yeah, and, and Vegas has that kind of tension and excitement, so I'm watching it. It's going crazy. I'm not realizing I'm watching a real important moment, 
And then, as we know, in the aftermath, you know, yeah. uh, when it was it Roger Mayweather already had some existing issues with the law. Yeah. And this was something that, that uh, where he, you know, uh, obviously broke his probationary agreement or whatever it was that uh, caused him to have continued illegal problems. But, you know, it's, this is a fight game. And sometimes the fight games, everybody around it sprinkles out into the crowd. Right. How, how, do, how do commissions handle these kind of things? What in, in, ends up happening in, you know, in your opinion, what kind of thing do you perceive might happen in this situation not on the MMSA, but just what you know about Vegas and the commission. Oh, I think the commission's definitely going to hand out some fines. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of money fined, um, maybe to both sides, but definitely to Team Khabib. Yeah. He's the one who lost his cool after the fight. I mean, he yeah. won the fight. He had everything, you know, to the victor go the spoils, but he yeah. stayed angry. Yes. You know, he bottled up all that anger for mm -hmm. weeks, months maybe, and um, – you know, uh, I didn't see the fight, but from when I was told, he was you could tell he was pissed off even as he was giving uh, Conor McGregor a beatdown. Yeah. Made Conor tap. Yeah. Um, and he still – he was he was still full of piss and vinegar. Yeah. And there were people, you know, chiding him and chastising him and, 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 and taunting him outside of the cage, yeah. and he'd had enough. Um, and I don't even have a problem with that. You know, I like, I mean, I, I, I can't have a double standard in boxing combat sports can't have a double standard because on the promotional side and the side of the media, we like it when, when guys get into it, we like it when it's heated, you yeah. know, like it, it, we like grudge matches when it's, when, when the beef is real, when the hate is real, it, it adds, it, it, it adds some spice to the promotion and to the storylines. It, it makes it easy to write about it. And, and because they're combat athletes and they're, they're, they're fighting, it's like, well, sure, you're supposed to be pissed off when, you're, when, you, when, when it's a fist fight. You don't want the participants to be too cool-headed. That's right. But uh, so when things spill out of control, there's some leeway. I mean, you know, when folks push and shove or headbutt a little bit at a, at a weigh-in, it's not like the commission doles out fines or, or anything like that or the fight's in jeopardy because folks mix it up a little bit you know, on stage, for the stage, for the promotion, in front of the fans and everything. But once the fight's over and it spills out into the arena, well, then there's that dangerous line you cross where it, are you inciting a riot? Mm -hmm. yes, are, you putting, are you putting the civilians, the fans, right. in danger? And, and you do have to control that. And you can't, you, 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 you can't just let it go. Mm -hmm. um, because if it goes unchecked, sooner or later, somebody will get hurt. And then you got lawsuits and people will sue everybody. They'll sue the arena. They'll sue, you know, the, 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 the commission. They'll sue, obviously, the promoters and, and the fighters or whatever. And I worry about it. You know, even when it's like you, you kind of can tell that the two fighters aren't really going to go at it. Like we had at at the LA presser for Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury, they got up on stage, Tyson Fury talked that stuff and Wilder kind of came at him. And I get the feeling that they're doing like a pro wrestling thing. It's a yeah. shit and, and I'm totally cool with it. And I understand where they're coming from, but there's all these other people on the stage and sometimes they get worked up and they're pushing both sides are pushing. And then you got folks who are up there in age, like in their sixties or seventies. And I think Shelly Finkel got knocked down or whatever. Um, 
but he's not a he's no spring chicken and he you know maybe he shouldn't have been on the stage you know maybe right. you know he knew what he was doing or what he was getting into but you know there have been folks who've been hurting that kind of stuff before yeah. um i think when T- mike tyson lost his cool um at the at the press conference for his fight with with lennox lewis uh, the president of the WBC, he passed away a couple years ago, uh, Jose Suleiman. Mm-hmm. He got knocked off the stage and he broke his leg or he broke mm-hmm. his foot or something. And he was in a wheelchair for a long time. And I remember a publicist for uh, the, the Hispanic language uh, publicist for Top Rank got knocked off the stage once during one of Top Rank's uh, – I don't remember what, what – what fight it was or which fighters got into it, but something happened and he fell off and he was on crutches for months, you know, so people can get hurt. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if it goes unchecked sooner or later, somebody's going to fall and, and, you know, hurt their head or their neck or something, you know, God forbid, you know, something really awful happens. So you, you it can't go unchecked. Um, and it, you know, it is a bad look. It's a bad look for the UFC. It's a bad look for MMA it's a bad look. I don't even know what country Khabib comes from. I've been calling him a Russian or whatever, but he's nice from some other part yeah. of that yeah. world. I don't know. Central, uh, uh, yeah. Eastern Europe. Yeah. You know, yeah. Derek, Darnell, do you know where, where Khabib is from? I think he's the first real standout worldwide uh, world-class athlete from, from that part of the world. And now, you know, going forward when other folks come out of that area, cause I've heard people, you know, um, fans, fans of Khabib say, well, you know, he was retaliating because of what Conor McGregor did in New York city, throwing the dolly at the bus. And, and I get that, but with McGregor's situation, um, it wasn't in, you know, a crowded it wasn't in the arena. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was like backstage, so to speak. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Um, it doesn't make it right. Two yeah, wrongs don't make it right. But one, yeah, one of the things you're hitting on, I think, is really yeah. interesting. We, we, it's like there is some cross-cultural dynamics in this, in a sense that there well, is. Well, that's, that's what I keep hearing. Folks yeah. say, hey, the part of the world he comes from, you don't yeah. mess around like that. And I'm yeah. like, that's probably true. But because of the way he acted out this one time, and from what I understand, he usually keeps his cool and he's usually respectful. Yeah. He's just a beast in the octagon, in the cage, you know, and once the bell rings. But then after the fight, he's respectful. But because he, lo- he lost his cool in this situation, you know, for every 10 uh, MMA fans that are going to give him a pass, there's 100 casual fans who that's the only thing they've ever seen of Khabib. And they're going to say, well, folks from that part of the world are, are thugs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, yeah. I, and so that's bad. That's not good. Yeah. You know, and that's not fair to people from that part of the world or athletes, combat sports athletes from that part of the world. So, but anyways, you know, you had asked me about what the, what the commission's going to do. Yeah. And when I think of the, you know, Zab Judah comes to mind because there was, you know, he, he lost his cool in yeah, that fight with, with Mayweather. Um, and Roger Mayweather got in the ring. Now, listen, if, if they were following the rules, actually, Judah would have won that fight by disqualification because yeah. Roger Mayweather entered the ring during the round. You know, yeah. time wasn't called or anything like that, you know. Um, and, and that's supposed to be an automatic disqualification. But, you know, the, the referee, which was Richard Steele, yeah. he didn't make that call. 
And, and so there is leeway in, in these situations and all, but definitely um, Zab Judah was fined heavily by mm -hmm. the Nevada commission. Um, he was sus suspended. Um, and the same thing happened after he was stopped by Kostya Zoo in 2001. That's right. He got really upset and he went after the ref. Yeah, I remember that one. And he put his glove in his neck uh, and then they cooled him down and, and then he picked up a stool and threw it. It's like, okay, maybe you could have hit somebody. If you're endangering folks. So the commission, they, they find him, you know, it was thousands, maybe tens of thousands. And I think he was suspended, which meant, you know, he couldn't fight in, in Nevada, you know, in, until he served that suspension. And then he had to go before the commission and say, hey, I'm sorry. I've got my act together. I'll never do it again. And they forgive. They do. With, with high-level, uh, well-known athletes that definitely generate revenue mm -hmm. for, you know, that region, whatever jurisdiction it is. But certainly mm -hmm. Las Vegas, certainly Nevada, you know, they're all about money. Yeah, uh, they'll 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 forgive you. You know, Mike Tyson, same thing after the ear bite fight. They find him. I don't know, like maybe th maybe 10 percent of his purse, which was a lot of money. I mean, yeah. I think it was, it was he was guaranteed 30 million dollars for that wow. second fight with Holyfield, maybe a little bit more. Um, and then he was but he was he was back. You know, they I think they revoked his license. But after a year, he could come back and 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 ask for them to reinstate him and they did he came back one year later against francois botha that was 20 years ago that was actually yeah. one of the first major fights that i covered as, as a boxing writer wow so you know even when you do like crazy stuff you know yeah. like mutilate a guy you know bite a guy's ear not once but twice <laughs> you can come back so i don't i mean i think worst case scenario um if they if the nevada commission Suspense could be – it won't be for more than a year. Yeah. I don't think it'll be more for the year. Probably be like six months. Yeah, and um, I think six months is probably right. He doesn't have a track record that I know of. He yeah. doesn't have a track record. So I just think he's going to lose some money. That's what yeah. I think is going to happen, really. And then they're going to be like, okay, you're suspended for three to six months, which today's athlete, that doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, yeah. today's combat sports athlete, yeah. the high-level guys, they only fight a couple times a year anyway. So it's not that big of a deal. Well, we'll get into boxing here. Um, a fight that kind of just got lost a little bit, um, and I thought said a lot for at least that division, was uh, 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 Porter and, 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 and Danny Garcia. I mean, it was a fight that, um, you know, is really somebody, in a way, elimination fight, you know, for yeah. them to get an access. And, you know, Danny Garcia is, you know, Philly fighter who um, – it's always been awkward. I don't, I don't, I've yeah. never really seen him as being very athletic, whatever, but he just knows how to fight and win. And he's strong. He's, really, he's strong yeah. and he's pretty smart in there. He knows when to let his hands go. The technique's not perfect. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think his downfall, he doesn't let his hands go enough. He fights yeah. spots. He's kind of like a poor man's Canelo Alvarez. Yeah. He's, got, he's not a knockout like puncher, but he's got heavy hands. you got to respect yeah. him. If he catches yeah. you right and you don't have a great chin, yes. he'll knock you out but he could take a good shot yeah. and he's really at his best when he stakes out the center of the ring yeah. and he's, he's counter punching you, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, there, there are limitations there. You can outmaneuver him as uh, I thought Lamont Peterson did yeah. stretches of that fight. Um, you can out jab him, you know, like uh, I thought Mauricio Herrera did 
mm-hmm. for much of their fight. Um, you know, back when he was fighting at 140 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Keith Thurman did that. He did kind of a stick and move, hit and run sort of strategy yeah. against Garcia. And, and it worked. And um, Porter uh, did a little bit of that. But Porter was also Porter. He was, so he was aggressive. And he was more active. And that was really the main difference. And I thought it was like, it was, it could have been a draw. could have been seven rounds to five for Garcia. I had it seven rounds to five for Porter. Yes. Certainly over the second half, he just let his hands go more. Um, and I agree Garcia is a bit awkward because he, you know, his dad d- didn't come from a boxing background. Yeah. And the only trainer he's ever had was his dad. That's right. So when you have that father and son trainer, you know, uh, father, coach, uh, talented son, boxer, mm-hmm. that that combination, and and you had it all throughout the amateur career and the pro career, mm-hmm. and they basically develop their own style. That's what happens. Yeah. And sometimes if the talent is is really there and the father is real creative, like you have with Joe Calzaghe and mm-hmm. and his father Enzo yeah. Calzaghe, who just passed away recently. Yeah. You get this like style that's very hard to beat, you know. Yeah. And even you know, uh, with Roy Jones Jr. and his father, that style yeah. that Roy had—that's what his father instilled when Roy was an amateur. Yeah. And it worked because Roy was a was a once in a lifetime talent, and yeah. he was smart boxing wise. He understood yeah. distance and timing. He just didn't do it by the book. Yeah. And that, and that worked for him, you know. But Danny Garcia doesn't have – he's not that at that level of talent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like or Shane Mosley and Jack Mosley. So Jack yeah. Mosley wasn't a boxer. He didn't come from a boxing background. Yeah. But his son had – he was such a natural athlete yeah. and strong-willed and had a great chin that, you know, their own – that power boxing is what they called it. Yeah. It worked for him for a very long time, you know. Uh, Danny Garcia, not at that level of an athlete of a Shane Mosley, certainly yeah. not – a Roy Jones Jr. or a Joe Calzaghe, but I think that that style he has worked for a long time. But he's been around long enough now. He, he's still young, but he's a veteran. Um, people have figured like a world class fighter knows how to beat him. And, so do you see uh, him as like a stepping stone fighter now, which is a oh, dangerous? No, I would never, I would never, I would never call Danny Garcia a stepping stone fighter. No, he's dangerous. I mean, the he's fact dangerous. that. Can he beat the elite fighters? Can you? I mean, mm. what you say? I mean, is he the person that's always going to win? But when he gets in that elite fight, yeah, yeah, no, talk yeah, about. you're right. You yeah. know what? He's a top contender. He's a top he contender. Could a, he could be a belt holder again. Yeah. But when you say elite fighter, okay, you're talking about Terence Crawford. Yes, like number one to number three. I think that's what he's aspiring to be. Yeah. You're talking about Errol Spence. Yeah, people have him in their pound for pound, right? That's right. You ask me who wins, Danny Garcia or Errol Spencer, Danny Garcia or Terrence Crawford. Man, I'm going for Bud Crawford and, and, and the truth. I'm going for, for, uh, for Errol Spence. Um, but he's dang – I mean, for anybody else, if you're not elite, you, it's a hard night's work. Like, yeah. Porter's not elite, but he's, he's, a top, he's a legit top five or six contender. Yeah. Um, same thing with, with, with Keith Thurman. He's a legit top five contender. Um, and they beat him, but they just barely, just barely beat him. One of the things I saw that was interesting. He's not a stepping stone. He's not, yeah. you know, you can't yeah. be like some prospect. Oh, I'm going to make my name yeah. on by fighting Danny Garcia. You know, Garcia will ruin a prospect. Where, where I saw Porter, though, I, I've seen Porter evolve. Meaning, yeah. in this fight, 
I saw more of him using his athleticism in boxing. Than yeah. Bullying. I think I thought his bullying and his, his bullying was controlled. Yeah. He felt part of a game plan. Well, don't forget, he was, a, he was a standout amateur. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of the best at a much heavier weight too. Yeah, it feels like he's sixty-five pounds. It feels like he's putting it together. Yeah, and you know, some people have those losses and they start to realize the formula. And yeah, it felt like that. While watching that night, I was like, okay, I could see him now thinking through the game in a different way. And when he's in, come to think of it, Sean Porter and Kenny Porter—that's another father and son team. The father was not an established boxing guy. Yes. And they definitely developed their own style as a professional. Very, very rugged, very awkward, very physical. Mm-hmm. But Porter is also a smart guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a student of the game, and he can box. He, he mixed in more of your standard traditional boxing mm-hmm. with Garcia because he respected Garcia. And, you yeah. know, he knew he couldn't come in reckless. Garcia can clip you and hurt you. One of the things, uh, and I was going to actually ask this a little bit later, but because you, you're talking about um, the importance of the trainer, you actually before the uh, Canelo fight, you were up in Fresno um, uh, uh, watching a fight, and uh, it was uh, Jose Ramirez, who I yeah. had really seen fight. I think he moved from wild card to start the fight with Garcia. And yeah. I hadn't really seen him fight, but oh, I was yeah. impressed. Yeah. He's a great beast. Yes, he is. He gets after it. Um, I mean, it's quite that's quite a camp they got they developing over there. Um, and he's making some noise. He's gonna be hard to beat. Yeah, you were there at that fight, right? No, no, no. I was in Vegas. I oh, was in Vegas. I was just tweeting a lot. I was watching on I was watching um uh in my in my hotel room in Vegas. So I know I see you up on Twitter as well. Yeah, I was but I was I I love it was a great fight and yeah. um I'm really impressed with Jose Ramirez, you know. He, the guy he beat to win the WBC 140-pound title, Amir Imam. That guy's no joke. Yes. Um, Amir Imam, on a good night, beats a lot of top 140-pounders, even 147-pounders. Mm-hmm. But Ramirez is going to be very difficult to beat because he could take a shot, mm-hmm. and he's a technical pressure fighter, mm-hmm. and he's a volume puncher. Yes. And it's like it's real hard to outbox him. Mm-hmm because he doesn't give you room to operate or the space to breathe. He sets yeah. such a fast tempo. He sets a fast pace yeah. and he's working, but he's thinking in there. He's not just like a, a, a dumb, you know, volume puncher. He's not just, Oh, I'm going to outwork you. That's he's right. Probably more than you, but he's really thinking about his punch placement. And, and if he hurts you somewhere, he's going to go back there. Like he's always looking for places, you know, how can I break you down? Mm-hmm. And when, when Orozco was being real defiant in the middle rounds and was trying to go to Ramirez's body, Ramirez started going to Orozco's body. Yes. And that really set up that, that knockdown that he yes. scored in, in, in the middle of the fight. And um, he just stays on you. And if his chin holds out, because he's not, he's, not, he's not a great athlete. He's not the slickest guy out there. Yes. Not the most fluid boxer puncher out there. But he, 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 he's got some snap on the end of his punches. He's got he's got pretty good technique. Um, just he's got a good foundation. Technically speaking, he was, a, he was a, an experienced amateur standout. He was a U.S. Olympian. He's got that experience. Um, they got him, but what really sets him apart is that we'll work three minutes of every round. Yeah. But he's thinking. He's a yeah. thinking pressure fighter. 
kind of like Leo Santa Cruz proved yeah. to be. I used to think yeah. Leo Santa Cruz just went in there and wasn't thinking and was going to just outwork everybody. And he proved against Carl Frampton in that rematch that, no, he could mix it up a little bit. He can mix it up. Well, we, we, I want to hit the big fight a little bit before I, I, I turn over here to Darnell a little bit to talk about some uh, feature fights. Um, obviously, we, uh, we had Triple G and uh, Canelo. Um, I had it 115-113 uh, Canelo. Um, That's fair. Uh, and, I mean, I, I think there can be arguments a lot of different ways in that fight. And there's but, a lot of arguments out there, which is unfortunate. I, I had, I, you know, I, I did the online pay-per-view broadcast. Yeah, um, yeah. And so I'm watching it live, doing the call. I had it six rounds apiece after 12 rounds. I thought it was – they both did great things in there. You know, Canelo stood his ground and went to the body and landed hellacious power punches. He was very accurate with his shots and economical. And Triple G did his jab thing. He out-jabbed him. Um, couldn't back up Canelo. Yeah. But didn't allow Canelo to back him up because he circled him. Yeah. And he was turning. And he was, and he was the more active guy. So he was – he was the boxer in there, really, and Canelo was more of the puncher. So it was kind of a role reversal from the first fight to, a, to an extent. And they both got a lot of really good work done in there. And it kind of reminded me of that first fight between Mike McCallum yeah. and James Tony, where McCallum was the, the guy in his mid-30s. That's right. And he was, he was technical, and he was the jab master in there. And James Tony was the young buck, yeah. and he was throwing bombs yeah. and standing his ground. And, it was, it was, and that fight was a draw. Yeah, it was disputed, you know, people. Uh, but because of the the history and the bad blood between Golovkin and Canelo, yeah, and all what had happened since the first fight in that one year, it's like people can't accept. Like, if you're a Golov, if you pick Golovkin to win that fight, or you like Golovkin, or you just don't like Canelo, you can't give him like I. At least the people on my Twitter timeline, the hardcore. Yeah. Folks, they can't give him credit and they're pissed off. Yep. And it's like, it's too bad because the bitterness, because it was a really, it was a tremendous fight. Yes. I literally, I mean, I think it's one of the best distant middleweight distance fights yes. since James Tony, Mike McCallum won. And that's saying a lot because okay. I mean, that, that fight's a, a modern classic. So that's my, that's my, that's my childhood friend right there, James Tony. So oh yeah. I respect that. I, we got a lot of love for him in Ann Arbor, yeah. Michigan. Um, so then they send Triple G into the gulag to fight Charlo. They're like, Yo, yeah. you're going to have a tough road back. We, I know. wonder if that happens. I don't know. I wonder if that fight <laughs> you happens. You don't think it's going to happen? If it, I'm just like – Well, I just don't – I don't see how the – I don't see how – I don't see how the WBC can mandate that fight when Triple G doesn't have a title. <laughs> you, know? Know. you know what I mean? Charlo's got the interim belt. Yeah. And does Triple G want to fight for the interim belt? And I, I don't know. It could. I mean, if the money is there, and and one thing we're going to find out next year, you know, HBO's out of boxing. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So we have all these platforms yeah. that are actually really well-funded and that have made a commitment to boxing. Showtime mm -hmm. um, re-upped with the PBC for yeah. three years. Al Heyman also did a four-year deal with Fox Sports. And with that deal, they're paying licensing fees and there's marketing money with that. There's The Zone with Eddie Hearn. Uh, and, they, and they're not exclusive to Eddie Hearn, but he's their main guy. Um, he's kind of like their promoter face for, for their boxing content outside of the World Boxing Super Series. Yeah. 
Um, and so, you know, uh, reportedly they are committed for like eight years. Wow. And in huge licensing fees. Um, who am I leaving out? Uh, oh, ESPN. Good grief. How can I? ESPN. Yeah. They just re up with Top Rank for like seven years. Um, and they have this ESPN Plus platform, which they recently announced has a million subscribers. So obviously there's money there. So when you have these um, sanctioning bodies mandating fights or going, you know, fights that go to purse bid or whatever, there's going to be a lot of money thrown thrown at these fighters at, and these fights. So, you know, if you're ESPN, you want Gennady Golovkin to fight on your platform. Yeah. You put them on ESPN Plus because you know you're going to get a lot of subscribers. Same thing with the zone. Yeah. You have you have a Canelo Alvarez or a Triple G fighting on your platform automatically. You are going to get thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people signing up to watch this fight because these guys have diehard, dedicated fans. That's why nobody can agree on the score of that rematch is because their fans are so diehard. It's like they, 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 can't, they can't be reasonable. You understand what I mean? So if there's enough money tossed at Golovkin-Charlo to happen, the fight will happen. You know what I mean? But for the first time in like eight years, Triple G does not have – a world title so he doesn't have any uh, sanctioning body obligations yeah for years he had to fight some guy that the ibf wanted him to fight he had to fight some guy the wba wanted him to fight he had to fight some guy the wbc wanted him to fight he ha- you know what i'm saying yeah. so he doesn't have that obligation so he could literally say okay listen he could pull a mayweather whoever right now. Be the biggest whoever makes the biggest yeah. offer now, and i what now what if this guy from japan Murata? If yeah. he wins his fight um, on the 20th and the Japanese promoter says, we want you to fight, you know, in Tokyo and I'll, I'll pay you 10 million. What, he's not going to say no to that. No. You know, he's going to be like, you know, sorry. He's going to say, sorry, WBC, but I'm going over here. Or maybe uh, the winner of the Danny Jacobs, Sergey Derevianchenko fight. Okay. Jacobs is with Eddie Hearn. Yeah. The DAZN Got a lot of money. It'll be like, okay, rematch. Golovkin mm. versus Danny Jacobs. Mm. And we'll we'll overpay you to get you on the zone because we're trying to build up a subscription base here. Mm. So, you know, he Triple G has options. And yeah. they're all viable. It's like these guys, these guys he could fight. You know, he could shoot. He, he could fight Demetrius Andrade, you know what mm. I mean, who's also with the zone. You know what I'm saying? Mm. If the money's there and he fights one of these guys and they're a legit – you know, middleweight contender. It's all good. Uh, but having said that, I would love to see Golovkin Charlo because uh, I love big fights in Texas. Charlo is a Houston native. Triple G has never fought in Texas. I know Texas would welcome him. Yeah. He's got a lot of fans there. Um, that fight's a natural for the Toyota Center. They would sell it out easily. They, 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 they could they, probably they, they, they charge money. a lot for those tickets. I hope they wouldn't, but, yeah. you, know, they, you know, they could put it in, uh, is it Candlestick Park? Yep. Does. Is that where Canelo fought James Kirkland? I think it is. No, no. Min- not, it's a Minute Maid Park. Oh, down in uh, Houston. In Houston. Yeah. It's Minute Maid, right? Uh, yeah, it's a, ball, it's a baseball park. A baseball yeah. Park. yeah. I think they could do it they could, if they wanted to. They could do it in a stadium. They could do it in Jerry's house. They'd fill it up in Jerry's. Jerry would welcome it there. Jerry yeah. would welcome that. So yeah. what happened to HBO? I mean, how did HBO fall off? My boy Max Kellerman. The whole Ran out of team. money. They, right, listen, they, they, listen, they were the they were the eight hundred pound gorilla because they 
they wrote the biggest checks and nobody mm-hmm. could compete with them. And 10 years ago, it was the, the boxing unit, you know, in America, the, 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 the network universe for premium boxing was just two sides of a street. It was HBO or Showtime. HBO and Showtime were the, the subscription cable networks that outbid the networks, mm-hmm. NBC, ABC, and CBS in, 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 the, in the late 80s and early 90s. And by the mid-90s, boxing was off of network television and exclusively the domain of HBO and Showtime, mainly HBO because they had a huge budget. They had 100000 an annual budget that sometimes exceeded $100 million. Mm. So nobody could compete with them, even when they didn't have the best leadership. I, I hear a lot of people blaming, uh, who's this guy, uh, Peter Nelson. Yeah. He's, he ruined it because he doesn't know what he's doing. And it's like, you know what, outside of Ludabella, when Ludabella left HBO uh, like in, in 1999 or early 2000, um, like he was the smartest. He was like a real boxing guy. Like yeah. he was like as far as matchmaking and getting it and knowing how to cultivate talent and knowing what boxing fans wanted. There's nobody that comes close to him. Mm. But when Ludabella was had that position, you know, his boss was Seth, Abr- uh, Seth Abrams. And Seth Abrams was a boxing. He's a guy who loved boxing. So the higher, the higher ups in the corporate ladder, they supported boxing. Um, and he, I mean, he had a budget to really work with. And the people, his successors also, I think a guy, his name was Kerry Davis. Mm-hmm. Kerry Davis didn't know, doesn't know boxing more so than Peter Nelson. But mm-hmm. when Kerry Davis was in that role, his only competition was Showtime. Yeah. And Showtime had like a quarter of the budget. So who's going to win? <laughs> Whoever has the most money in boxing is going to get those fights, you know. But the landscape has changed so quickly and so drastically now. Well, you and I talked about that with Al Heyman. Yeah, I told so, you Al Heyman took it. You and I yeah, talked about who would be the impact. Yeah, and, when I, and I hear I, I hear Peter Nelson getting blamed for that, but it was it was his boss. It was Ken Hirschman that really made that decision. Like, we're not going to work with, with the Heyman fighters. And it wasn't really about – at that time, it wasn't about Al Heyman. Yeah. It was the Richard Schaefer Golden Boy thing. Yeah. Heyman had all that talent with Golden Boy, and Golden Boy was one of the main providers of boxing content programming yeah. for HBO. But Schaefer was working both sides of the street, and I just think Hirschman got sick of, you know, Schaefer saying, you know, pay us what we want or we'll just go to Showtime. And he finally said, screw you, go to Showtime. And they did that, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, um, but really, I mean, in the last 10 to 15 years, the budget for HBO's boxing programming has diminished as the budget has risen for Showtime. So they had, no, they were no longer, they went from being the 800 pound gorilla to the 400 pound gorilla. And then there's mm-hmm. another 400 pound gorilla right across the street with Showtime. Mm-hmm. And then what happened was ESPN got involved. When, yeah. Once Top Rank left the ESPN, they got I said, you know what? You're giving us world-class guys. It's not about Friday night fights anymore. Yeah, yeah. You're giving us pound-for-pound level talents like Terrence Crawford yeah. and, 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 and Vasil Lomachenko and yeah. a household name in Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. You're going to bring in viewers. We're going to spend the money. We're going to yeah. support this program, and we're going to be committed to you. 
So that so now the, that's that's another four hundred pound gorilla. You yeah. know what I mean? And now you got the zone. You got all these gorillas. It, it's yeah. like, and if HBO can't be the if they can't be the eight hundred pound gorilla, if they can't be number one. They don't want to do it. That's do. Their, their whole brand is we're the best. We're simply the best. This is the home of championship boxing, yada, 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 pound for pound, all of that. And, and so if they couldn't have that, they just got out the game. And they didn't have – they no longer had the corporate support, you know, especially with this merger with uh, AT&T. It was more about, hey, let's, HBO, let's not compete with Showtime to, to, to see who can put on the best fights. Let's compete with Netflix and see who puts on the best overall entertainment, and you know. Yeah. And they're thinking about comedians and original programming and concerts and that kind of stuff. So it is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.